Hello and welcome to Sex Ed for Sex Med, a podcast produced by the Ohio Sexual Health Collaborative for medical providers caring for women. However, women experiencing sexual difficulties who perceive a lower quality of life do not feel like themselves and are looking to increase their knowledge of sexual health are also encouraged to listen. I'm your host, Dr. Terry Gibbs, and together with my rotating medical experts, we'll be providing evidence-based fundamental and advanced concepts for evaluating, educating, and empowering women with sexual concerns. We'll be addressing physical, mental, and sexual health wellness, as all these aspects are important to enjoying a healthy sexual life. In this episode, we'll be talking to Dr. Sarah Jungens. She is a pelvic floor physical therapist in the Pelvic Health Clinic in Toledo, Ohio. She has a pelvic rehabilitation practitioner certification from Herman Wallace, Inc., as well as a women's health clinical specialist certification. Also, she completed the Michigan Sexual Health Certification Program. She will be discussing how she blends these training programs to help patients with sexual dysfunction as a pelvic floor physical therapist. Also, she is a board member of the Ohio Sexual Health Collaborative. Please enjoy this podcast. So we have today our dear friend, Dr. Sarah Jungens, and from Toledo. And she is a physical therapist, pelvic floor physical therapist. That's actually talked to us in an earlier episode. And in addition to being a physical therapist, a pelvic floor physical therapist, she's also done uh, training uh, in sexual medicine, very specifically that she'll be explaining. And and today we've uh, going to expand on episode twenty, where we talked about the fundamentals of of pelvic floor physical therapy, and and really hopefully enlarge uh, why uh, people like Sarah are just so important to. Uh, helping people, helping treat people with uh, female sexual dysfunction. So good morning, Sarah. Thank you for joining us. Good morning, Dr. Gibbs. How are you? Great. And let's start off a a little bit about just, again, your background, both your training in pelvic floor physical therapy and your training in uh, female sexual medicine. Sure. So I started off with just my DPT, so doctor of physical therapy. Um, And then from there, when I knew I wanted to specialize, I got my PRPC uh, from the Herman and Wallace Institute. PRPC, Uh, explain that. That's a pelvic rehab practitioner certificate, excuse me. Uh, So really focuses on Uh, male and female pelvic health. Uh, And then I went through the APTA, which is the other kind of major body for uh, pelvic floor physical therapy. And through the APTA, I got my uh, WCS, so Women's Health um, Certification Specialist. Um, And I just, I wanted to be as specialized as I could possibly be. I wanted to have all the tools to help my patients and found myself really starting to focus more on sexual health. And again, wanted to just have all of the information I could possibly have. So in physical therapy school, 
we get barely in, any information on on pelvic floor period and nothing on sexual health so i started looking for places where i could get a real education on how to how to treat these patients the best way i could and found the program at uh, the university of michigan so this program really focuses on equipping clinicians um, and and honestly uh, quite a few different professions which we can or can't get into later um, giving them real tools to give to patients and people to help them have healthy and fulfilling sex lives that's great and of course what you're able to do again is you're a part of the pelvic floor health uh, clinic in Toledo and you work with Dr. Heather Wall, who is a pain, pelvic pain specialist. So you see a lot of pelvic pain and and people with female sexual dysfunction. And we know that that the approach to treating that is, is a biopsychosocial model uh, looking uh, at desire, arousal, orgasm, pain. So the, the, those are the, the, you know, the the fundamentals of of the sexual medicine and so in in that in that context what do you do for for the patient how do you help dr wall with the the uh, sexual pain patients right so there are uh, quite a few different reasons for uh, for dyspareunia for pain with sex and coming to physical therapy, we can treat the, you know, the, the physical issue, the, if the muscles are tight, if they're poorly coordinated, blood flow issues, lymphatic issues, uh, neural inflammation, we can help with all of that. And that's pretty clear. That's a lot easier for people to swallow in terms of why am I coming to physical therapy for this? Um, you know, just like any other part of the body, if a muscle is tight, we mobilize it. If a joint is restricted, we mobilize it. If a muscle's weak, we strengthen it. It's the same sort of idea, but with sexual health and with pelvic health really is we have this very intimate area that is, it's not just physical. I mean, this is not a knee. This is not a shoulder. This is a very personal area with a lot of layers of, of, you know, um, mental and emotional health that we need to consider in order to best treat these patients. So uh, patients coming in for pain with sex, in addition to you know using dilators, vaginal wands, um, a lot of discussion on use of lubes and moisturizers, um, sexual positioning is a big one that we work on. Um, so if a patient has any restrictions in terms of uh, like joint replacements or uh, chronic pain in a certain area of the body that limits certain positions, we can work around that and help kind of rehab through that. Um, but really, as we're doing all of this, we're, we're screening for, you know, the mental, emotional side of things that um, that psychosocial component of the biopsychosocial model. So really understanding a person's history and their behavioral patterns and how that's affecting how they are functioning sexually. And one of the biggest roadblocks that I think that we have as clinicians 
uh, is because of the lack of training that we have, a lot of clinicians don't screen for these issues as thoroughly as we would want to because we don't know what to suggest. So we can ask a patient, do you have a history of trauma? Do you have, you know, anxiety? Do you have anything, you know, that's being, that's not being managed well? And if the patient says, yes, we don't know what to do. We don't know where to send them. We don't know how to help them. So it seems like maybe a pointless question um, or a directionless question, really. So having the tools to suggest, you know, specific suggestions for what patients can do um, to manage or navigate through, you know, traumas or um, mental health issues that are affecting um, arousal and desire can help us really treat the patient more holistically. Give us a real world uh, example of, you know, you work with a, a a pelvic pain specialist, but you know, in the real world, uh, how would a physical pelvic floor physical therapist work with, you know, a, say a, a generalist in, in uh, family medicine or OBGYN or urology, how would you work with, with somebody for, for helping somebody with female sexual dysfunction in terms of patient care? Yes. Sorry. Okay. Yes. Yes. Okay. No, that's okay. Um, so you get a referral, you know? Yes. Yeah. We get a referral and bring the patient in. Um, and we do a very extensive, um, initial evaluation. So the first part is obviously just that subjective portion, a lot of history taking. I'd like to do a lot of education during this time because people don't talk about this stuff. So, you know, patients don't really realize what is and isn't normal and what can and can't be addressed. Um, and then after screening, uh, bladder function, bowel function, obstetric history, sexual function, obviously, uh, then we will do uh, an internal and external pelvic exam. Typically, pelvic floor physical therapists do not use speculums. I don't. Um, but the internal exam allows us to palpate those muscles to determine their function. Uh, what's their tone like? What's their coordination like? Um, we can we can evaluate what's going on there and how that's affecting their sexual function. You know, lack of lack of orgasm. We can really we can feel for like levator avulsions. We can feel, you know, are the muscles uh, contracting correctly and in the in the correct order? Um, and then strength, right? So if there's if there's no activation of the pelvic floor, then that's going to it's going to be a little inhibiting when it comes to when it comes to achieving orgasm. But then we can also look at you know hip and lumbar spine and lower extremity function, how a patient's breathing, how they're moving, and how that might be affecting their pelvic floor tone, um, which could be contributing to the pain that they're getting with sex. So you look at that and then yeah. you, you, cause I'm, I'm kind of uh, thinking about if you have a specific case recently you've worked with and just kind of going through, you know, kind of the usual case you might run into, you, you get these people, you do an evaluation and then you have knowledge. And then what do you do then as a physical pelvic floor physical therapist? So I have a patient I'm seeing right now who is a runner 
Um, and she's training for a half marathon. Um, she is, oh, I believe about eight months postpartum. Um, and she is still breastfeeding. She came in for a uh, superficial and deep, uh, pain with sex, excuse me. So, um, during that evaluation saw a lot of tone in those superficial and deep muscles, but really a lot of pain with palpation of those, um, obturator internus muscles. So those deep hip rotators, which tend to be very tight in runners. Um, and so found out that when I palpated those muscles, it recreated the pain that she was having with deep penetration. So we have a tissue issue more superficially where, you know, with the, with breastfeeding and with that low estrogen, she's having more neural inflammation, more atrophy. And so that's causing that pain, but then deeper, it is more muscular. So we're working on mobility of those tissues, but also core strength and stability so that those muscles aren't overactive. That, that's a great case. That's pretty involved because you got <laughs> all the issues of, of a runner, of course, um, and then the postpartum stuff and, and um, you know, the, the uh, trauma to the perineum, uh, the, the breastfeeding, the, the, the hormonal, boy, there's a lot of stuff going on there. Did, did she have, does she have uh, trauma uh, from the delivery? She had a grade three. Oh, so yeah. So that's involved. Oh my God. So usually involved. Yeah. yeah <laughs> yes. So what a great case. So, uh, so you're going to work with, with, with muscle things. And then really what I'm, I, I'd really like to know is, uh, you know, go forward, say you're, you're really having success with the, the pelvic muscles. Then what's the next step? Like, like you said, this woman is, is, you know, she's, she's gonna, there's a, a psychosocial stuff going on and, right. and how are you going to see her through to the point where she's, she's successfully enjoying that intimacy again. And that is really where I'm at in, in that case, actually. So this is good timing. Um, so physically things are like, objectively things are much, much better. Um, she's, her muscle tone is normalizing. She's got much better strength uh, and coordination there, but because when she did try to have sex prior to coming to pelvic floor therapy, it was so, so very painful for her that she is very hesitant to, to return, to try again. Um, so a lot, this is really where this extra training comes in, in handy, because we can work on kind of slowly progressing her through this. This is not a situation where you need to just kind of suck it up um, and, and try it. It's, it's about working smarter, not harder, right? So talking a lot about, um, you know, penetration is not a requirement for intercourse. So encouraging patients to explore things externally, using different tools and devices um, to kind of bridge that gap. And then also facilitating communication with the patient and their partner about pain levels and what's okay and what's not okay um, talking about positioning, talking about um, uh, slowly increasing physical contact um, so that the patient's overall anxiety about returning to sex is much lower. 
I typically will tell people when they return to sex, the first time isn't going to be awesome. Um, it's kind of like your first pancake, right? You just, just throw it out, but you got to make your first pancake to get to your second pancake. (laughs) So, um, so that first time trying again, you have so much more of that emotional and mental kind of roadblock there, which is so understandable. Um, but understanding, allowing the patient to understand what is happening with her body and why she's feeling the things that she's feeling is so empowering. And that in and of itself helps quite a bit with that pain management. We talk about uh, vaginismus. I mean, would you apply that uh, term in this situation? Uh, you know, where she's, you fix the muscles and then she just still has that problem with going forward. Right. And that's, that's really so, so psychosomatic, you know, this whole idea of something hurts, you're not going to want to do it. And that's right. Right. So, you know, I, I tell people if, you know, if every time you walked through a door, somebody slapped you, just slapped you, right? <laughs> right. right. Yeah. You're not going to walk through that door. Right, 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 right. Um, right. So, you know, allowing people or giving people permission to do this slowly and to communicate, not just with me, but with their partner about what they're feeling and their anxieties and just validating that is huge. Um, Making sure that the patient and their partner are engaging in enough foreplay, using enough lubricant is very, very helpful. Again, it's not perfect. Um, it's a process, right? So our first, our first step is really to address pain. We want sex to be pain-free and then pleasure comes after. So going into these experiences with different expectations, you know, people expect, oh, well, when I have sex again, it's going to feel like it did, you know, pre-baby, pre-marriage, pre-whatever. And that's not, that's not how, how this works. It is a process. So going in with the expectation of, okay, my goal is to keep my pain under a four out of 10. And then maybe next time my goal is to keep my pain lower and my anxiety lower. My goal this time is to have sex in a certain position instead of the goal being, you know, arousal, penetration, orgasm. That's Great. I, I think that uh, you speak of this almost like a, a chronic illness. Do you, are you are you treating it like a chronic illness or something that they can actually conquer and get over? Um, a little bit of both, really. Um, I tell it's very very treatable, and I do have a majority of my patients get to the point where they are recovered. They have a normal sex life again. It's non-painful or it's extremely low pain and they're able to have pleasure and they feel very fulfilled in their, in their sex lives, which is incredible. Um, that being said, and I know Dr. Wall has talked about this, um, on her, um, interviews with you, uh, pelvic pain is chronic. It's very normal to need multiple rounds of physical therapy throughout your life. So, like an oil and lube job, right? You got to keep up with things. (laughs) But the beautiful thing about it is it doesn't ever have to get to the point where it was um, when they were referred for pelvic floor PT. So they're going to know that pain with sex isn't normal. They're going to know what to look for 
they're going to have the tools to start to treat that themselves and they're going to be able to get back in and we're going to be able to, you know, tune things up, adjust as we need to, and they can go back to to having a good, good normal sex life. Go over a little bit about the use of, what would you call them, tools to, to help uh, somebody work through their female sexual dysfunction, um, you know, uh, dilators and the like, to, to help them with your physical therapy treatment of their problem. So not only are these tools very helpful when it comes to the actual physical impairment, so I'll use dilators as an example. Um, so increasing very gradually that mobility of the tissue, um, you know, we're getting a very clear physical objective improvement in elasticity there. However, from, you know, in that biopsychosocial model, looking at um, a patient's ability to control penetration is a really beautiful bridge from not having sex to resuming penetrative intercourse. So when a woman has um a dilator or a dildo, or even just like an external vibrator, when she's applying that using that herself, she's in control. So she knows that she's not going to do something wild and crazy. She's not going to hurt herself. And she's going to be able to stop without any concern for hurting anyone else's feelings. So that control that she has helps to build that connection between the brain and the body about penetration or stimulation not being painful. When someone has sex multiple times with pain, and even, you know, if we're talking years of pain with sex, that connection that the brain is making to sex is a negative one. So intimacy becomes negative, becomes painful. And if we can rewire that connection so that intimacy is is positive, it's going to help those muscles relax a whole lot more and again, facilitate better sexual function. You also talked about kind of bringing in the partner uh, with all this. T tell me a little bit about that and how you use that with your pelvic floor physical therapy treatment. So sometimes patients really want their partner involved in, in the rehab. And sometimes they really, really don't. So it's, it's very much patient preference. I will have patients if they're comfortable, if they want to bring in their part, their partner to discuss what's going on so that their partner feels like they can ask questions. Um, and a, a lot of the time they just don't understand, um, exactly what's going on, but then they just want to help. They just want to do something and that frustration kind of bleeds out into those relationships, which causes more stress for the patient, which kind of increases tone. And, and it's just this kind of domino effect. So um, I like to, uh, once we've established that the patient does want their partner to, to help and to assist, we can use things like the tools, like the dilators specifically as a part of foreplay. Um, so after the patient feels comfortable um, using the dilator or the tools on their own or performing stretches on their own, we can bring the partner in and at home, you know, when it's, when it's time to be intimate, 
the the partner can use the tool on the patient, which is going to help with blood flow and elasticity and foreplay um, and kind of helping that desire increase and again, bridging the gap into penetration. I think just letting the, the partner know what's going on. This sex is, it is not fully physical, which is such a silly thing to say because duh. Um, but we're not just working with our patient, we're working with their partner. There's so many emotions here. The relationship is, sex is very important in a relationship. You know, one of the things we talked about at U of M is in a happy relationship, sex only contributes to, I think about 30% of that happiness. But when there's an, an issue, when there's trouble in the relationship, you know, a, a troubled sex life can be like 70% of that reason. So huge swing there. Um, and, and letting the partner know that this isn't, this isn't you, they're not trying to hurt your feelings. This doesn't mean that they don't love you anymore. You know, this is, this is something physical going on that's now become emotional as well. I know we always talk about, you know, uh, the, the bottom line is just, getting people to the point where they can enjoy intimacy, which is just that whole quality of life thing. And uh, anything we can help to improve their intimacy is so important. And you've outlined how, I mean, you're doing physical therapy, you're doing psychology, you're doing sexual medicine, you're, you're putting a lot together there, which is, is great. Tell me how, you know, somebody that comes in, we, we look at female sexual dysfunction, again, at the, the biopsychosocial model, and we look at the domains of desire, arousal, orgasm, and pain. Um, you know, when somebody has pain, certainly all of those domains get, get affected. And in, in terms of desire, arousal, orgasm, and pain, would you describe what your treatment does and how it can change those domains? Do you know what I mean? I mean, you you work on the pain and then you're working on their desire and arousal, all that things. T tell us a little bit about, walk us through that, how you kind of help all those domains with, with what you're doing. Sure. And it is also intertwined. So, you know, we discussed the pain aspect of it. When pain is no longer an issue or is less of an issue, then, you know, desire is going to be um, a lot more achievable. Um, in terms of arousal, again, just allowing those those muscles to, to relax for blood flow to improve, um, you know, the, the health of the tissue being improved is going to help with arousal more arousal can lead to more desire. You know, it isn't necessarily desire than arousal, you know, that can happen concurrently. Um, and then arousal can, can occur before desire as well. So we can really work with fulfillment on both of those, um, from both of those standpoints. Um, orgasm is a lot of coordination, a lot of strength. There's actually research that shows that pelvic floor PT does increase um, the, um, the intensity of an orgasm. Um, so that's typically how I get my patients to do their exercises. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> tell us a little bit more about that because I mean, that's a big issue. I mean, it's not, it, it's not the most common thing, but, but people come in and that's quite distressing for people to, to not 
enjoy orgasm. Right, and some right. people don't don't even realize that they're supposed to. But tell us a little bit about that, how you can affect that. That's that's great. So orgasm is from a from a physical standpoint, is a lot of contraction, rhythmic contraction, relaxation of those pelvic floor muscles. So if those muscles are not strong, say they're just purely weak muscles, you know, maybe a patient is menopausal, um, you know, these, these tissues have atrophied, you know, that their testosterone and their estrogen is a lot lower. Um, their orgasm isn't going to be as strong because the muscles ability to contract is not as strong as it was pre-menopause. So, um, so increasing the strength of those muscles is going to increase the intensity of, of the orgasm. Uh, likewise with, uh, tight muscles. So maybe patients have a lot of pain. They're very tight. That patient I discussed earlier, you know, her, her hip rotators are very, very tight. So when it's time for when, when a tip, an orgasm would typically occur, those muscles aren't able to contract as fully. Um, and they're also not able to relax as fully. So it's not going to be as intense of a release of an orgasm of a climax. Um, and so working on the mobility of the tissue, as well as the coordination of the tissue, can the tissue, can these muscles shorten, can they relax and can they lengthen is going to increase the intensity of the orgasm as well. If you are addressing, you know, their, um, mental and emotional health as well, um, then we're, we're bringing in that whole desire aspect to it and that connection and their ability to not just be a spectator during sex, but to really, um, learn how their body is, is working and what brings them pleasure and what helps them connect to their partner. Or if it's solo play that as well, you know, just understanding how our bodies work, what feels good, um, is going to help intensify that orgasm as well. You really brought so much together there. What kind of in closing all of your experience, uh, some of the things that you'd really want a learner to to know and just be aware of to uh, whatever they do, the nurse practitioner, physician, whatever they do uh, when it comes to sexual medicine and uh, working with a physical therapist, pelvic floor physical therapist, what, what would you uh, encourage people to know? I think reaching out to the physical therapist and having a conversation about how they treat sexual dysfunction and and what their approaches are, um, and then really just just networking, um, not just with pelvic floor PT, but also with sex therapists um, and and different providers that can that can address those you know the biopsychosocial model to help your patients get the best care. I think just reaching out and communicating on that. Um, if you can look in your area, um, the ASECT uh, website has a list of counselors and therapists um, for each state and area. So looking that up to see if someone has extra um, training on, on treating sexual dysfunction, I think is going to be going to be the best route to go. And, and two, we, we now have, um, you know, laws that allow us to reach out to uh, different people virtually 
uh, if you don't have somebody in town, which is, which is great as well. So, so good. Well, uh, thank you for taking some time with us and kind of really developing more of the uh, role of pelvic floor physical therapy in helping people with female sexual dysfunction and uh, kind of a very well-rounded explanation of not only the, the bio, the, the biologic part of what you do, but also uh, looking at the psychosocial issues and the, and the relationship issues too. So thank you again. And uh, thanks for all you do. Um, and, and, yeah making our little sexual medicine world a better place. Thank you for listening to this episode of Sex Ed for Sex Med. Please find the articles used in today's discussion in the show notes for further study. Also, you will find the contact information for our expert today.